Good morning. Today, we're ending this overflow series talking about peace. The peace of God in our lives and our world that flows out of our lives in times of worry and fear. So let's stand for the reading of the word. Paul writes, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Let me read that one more time. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. Well, three or four weeks ago, uh, we welcomed a new member to our family, and our son moved out, went away. We have an empty house pretty much now, except we did welcome uh, Lacey to our family. <laughs> and um, Lacey, Lacey is very cute and very smart and very soft. But it's amazing just what a big mess a small, smart, soft dog can make. So Monday night, we, uh, Teresa was really tired. She went off to bed, and it was about 9.30, and Lacey was laying at the foot of the bed. I was watching Monday night football. Fell asleep. I was tired, too, on the couch. Maybe a couple hours passed. Maybe it's 11.30, 11 o'clock. I hear this loud crash, and then I hear this growling, and I thought, is it, is it an animal broken into our house? What's What's, what's going on? And I ran, I ran down the hallway, never figured out what the crash was. Teresa somehow was still sleeping. I turned on the light in the bedroom and realized that Lacey had pulled every shoe out of our closet. There were shoes scattered all over the bedroom. She, she had removed all the laces from one of my running shoes. She had torn up a pair of new shoes that belonged to Teresa. There was leather everywhere. And she had, she had one shoe in her mouth, and she's going, like this. And I looked at her, and I said, what have you done? And she dropped a shoe, nothing. <laughs> Completely innocent, you know? <laughs> well, what do you do in a moment like that? Do you just laugh? Do you cry? Do you get mad? You know, what do you do? You know, but life is just like that sometimes though, right? 
Sometimes we, we just have something unexpected happen that wakes us up in the middle of the night and just makes our chest constrict and it gets tight and we're just overwhelmed with something that totally was unexpected. Ever happen to you? Ever wake up in the middle of the night with something you were worried about, fearful about? Because you know what worry is? Worry is sneaky. Because worry hides during the day and waits till the middle of the night when it can have our undivided attention. And sometimes it's something that's unexpected. You know, you're, something happens and, you know, everything's all over everywhere. It's chaos and, and it's that what we're worried about. Sometimes it's just a dark cloud in our life that we worry about all the time. Something that just never goes away. Something that just troubles us, that hides in the shadows and then comes out at night. And sometimes it's something we worry about that's coming. It may not even be real. It's just something off in the future. You know, for me, you know, my mother lives 10 to 12 hours away and she calls me, you know, a lot and we talk about what's going on. And I worry how, you know, as she gets older, um, how am I going to take care of my mom long distance and help my sister? I, I worry about something like that off in the future. Now, I will tell you, I have a PhD in worry and anxiety. So I'm skilled to talk about this very subject this morning. But rather than dwelling on my PhD in the subject matter, I would rather talk to you about what Paul says about worry, fear, and anxiety. In Philippians 4, 7, Paul has this wonderful statement that I have been anchoring my life on for a long time. Paul says that there is a peace that passes all understanding. Sometimes he says there's a peace that transcends understanding. Sometimes it's translated exceeds understanding. How many of you could use some peace that passes understanding? We could all use a little peace. So let me ask you, what wakes you up at night? What makes your chest tighten? What are you most worried about right now? And what Paul says is that when we have this relationship with God, when we open our hearts and minds to him, He fills us with a peace that gives us a calm in our life that doesn't make sense given what we're going through at the moment. That's what Paul's talking about. But let me tell you what it's not. Peace is not ignoring the turmoil. I love what Rachel said a minute ago, that peace is not sticking your head in the sand and ignoring what's happening in the world around us, the suffering. It's not ignoring the suffering. It's not just pretending it'll go away. In the house that I grew up when I was a teenager, it was sometimes could be a terrifying thing in the house I grew up in. It was absolutely scary to me because my mother and sister had these mother-daughter battles that would go on on things that were amazing. I had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't know what they were arguing about, but it was unbelievable. I thought our whole family was going to bust apart. And I remember looking at my father sitting in this big chair with his feet up in the air with a newspaper like this, like nothing was going on, completely ignoring it. My mom and my sister would be just fighting like unbelievable, 30 minutes, and then next thing you know, they're off to the mall. <laughs> I remember one time I said to my dad, I said, what's going on, dad? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, that fight. He goes, 
Oh, just ignore it. If you get involved, you'll just get hurt. Just stay away. <laughs> right? It's, it's not ignoring it. It's also not just giving up. Sometimes people think that peace is just giving up. I'm just quitting. I'm just giving up. This is just the way it is. My life isn't going to change. I, I, it's, I can't do any better than this. You know, it just is what it is. And sometimes it's just giving up hope. Some people think that's just I'm coming to peace with things. You know what that means? I'm just giving up. Because things are not going to change. There's no hope for me. The thing I want you to know is that regardless of what you're going through, no matter what you find yourself in the middle of, there's always the opportunity to respond. You may not be able to change your circumstance and what's happening, but you have the power to control how you respond and how you show up every day and the attitude and the mind and the heart that you bring to it. You always, as long as you have air in your lungs and a heart in your chest, have the capacity to respond in some way. It's also not feelings. Sometimes when we talk about peace, we talk about a feeling, but Paul is not talking here about our feelings. I don't know about you, but this is the way it is for me. Maybe I am really anxious about a problem that I'm facing that I'm trying to figure out and I don't have an answer to it. And one morning I wake up and boy, I just feel like this is great. I feel good. I can get this done. But 24 hours later, I wake up and I don't feel good about it anymore. Does anybody have feelings like that? You're, nothing's changed. Maybe it's just because the coffee was better that morning. Maybe it's because I had a better night of sleep. Uh, who knows what it is? But if you base peace on feelings, your feelings will never be, you'll never have it. You'll never have inner calm because feelings are up and down. They're all around. Peace, having inner peace is not denied. It's not giving up and it's not a feeling. What is it then? You see, you have to remember when Paul was writing this letter, he was Jewish and he was Greek. Paul had a Greek mind. And when he's writing about peace, he's talking about an altered way of thinking about our circumstances. He basically is saying here, there's a calm that comes into our life, a peace that comes into our life that gives us the ability to respond in a calm, peaceful manner because of God's presence in our life. He's basically, basically saying that God's presence becomes an anchor that gives us the ability to have an inner peace to think differently in our situation. How many of you could use that kind of peace? So let's break it down. I want to tell you exactly what it means. I want you to look at this word here in the Greek where he says peace that transcends understanding. The word transcend is the Greek word hooper echo. He's talking about a peace then that transcends which is superior, that outdoes, that surpasses, that excels, that rises above, that goes beyond over the top of any kind of peace. He's basically saying this peace that transcends is a peace that's unlike any other kind of peace you can get in the world. Now when he talks about understanding, the word here in the Greek is the word nous. It's the word for mind. He's talking about how this peace is something that's beyond anything that gives us the ability to think, reason, or understand, and to comprehend. Paul is talking about the mind, not the heart. He's not talking about the feelings. And in Greek thought and logic, the mind is the center that controls how we act and respond. He's basically saying that what happens is when God is in our life, we have a 
state of mind that is unlike any. We have a peace that impacts the state of our mind. Now, this is what's really great. When you really look at what Paul is saying in the original language, there's another word here where he uses the word guard. You know, the peace that transcends understanding will guard our hearts and minds. What does that mean? It's the Greek word ferrero, which is a military term that expresses the idea of a soldier who stood faithfully at his post guarding the home or the house or the fortress. So, so the idea here basically is that when you have God in your life and he's at the heart of your life, it's a peace that's beyond anything you could ever know that will fill your mind and set up a post. A soldier will stand outside your heart and mind to guard your heart and mind from fear, anxiety, worry, and trouble. Let me put it together for you. Let me translate it then in this way. Take all these Greek words together. This is what it means. And the peace of God, a peace so wonderful that it cannot be compared to any other type of peace, is a peace that stands in a category by itself and rises far above and goes beyond anything the human mind could ever think, reason, or imagine, or produce by itself. That peace will stand at the entrance of your heart and mind, working like a guard to control, monitor, screen, everything that tries to access your mind, heart, and your emotions. Anybody need a guard this morning? Where could you use some of that peace? Now, that's great. I mean, that just expands my understanding of what Paul's talking about. It's beautiful. But here's the question. Sounds great, Dave. How do you get it? How do you receive it? Well, here's the beautiful thing is, Paul here in verses 4 through 9 gives us some very practical ways of how to achieve it, how to get it, how it comes, how we get it. He doesn't say just have peace, have peace, be peace. Instead, he talks very specifically. I want to give you six ways that Paul says the peace comes to us. He begins, first of all, by focusing on who God is. Notice what he says, rejoice in the Lord always. He's not just saying be happy, be joyful. He's saying focus on who God is. If you want to be miserable, if you want to be unhappy, if you want to be filled with a lack of peace, focus on your problems. Live down in the darkness. Dwell on the despair. What he says in a moment of anxiety and fear, what we need to do is anchor our thoughts in the character and who God is. But what happens? When we're overwhelmed with worry and we wake up in the middle of the night by something that's wakened us, where do we anchor our thoughts? In the fear. Where are your thoughts anchored? He says instead, anchor your thoughts on who God is, the character of who God is. That's why we read scripture. That's why we remember in those moments of fear and anxiety, God, you are good. God, you are loving. God, you are faithful. God, you know all, you see all, you know all things. God, you have a way of taking the negative and the bad and using it for the good. God, you're always at work. God, you've never forgotten me. God, you know my name. That's why in times of national tragedy and suffering, the Jewish people returned to the Psalms. Psalm 46, written during a time of national suffering, read during a time of suffering. Psalm 46 says, I will not be afraid because you are my God. 
even though the mountains crumble and fall into the heart of the sea, you are my God. I look at my city, I look at the world I live in, and I wonder where are you? And then I remember that you are like a river that flows through the heart of our city and that your water in your life gives life to everything around us. That you are the one who the nations fall down and tremble before. That you are the one who brings an end to all war and violence. That you are God above all gods. And in this moment of fear and anxiety, the psalmist writes, I will be still and I will know that you are God. We rehearse who God is. The second thing that Paul says here is be considerate, let your gentleness be known. Now I have to say, I've always wondered what that meant, but I think I know now is because I think what Paul is saying is what happens generally when we're anxious? We make our problems worse, right? Anybody here ever had a problem that you made worse by the new problem you created because of the problem you didn't deal with very well to begin with? Anybody here have a problem in your home or your marriage or your life and then you added to the problem by something that you said you shouldn't have said? But what happens is oftentimes we react to our situations rather than respond. What he's basically saying here is that when we celebrate who God is, what we do then is be gentle, be considerate, be kind. Don't add to our worry by making problems worse for ourselves. Instead, back up and pause and be quiet and be still and be gentle. The third thing then Paul says, Paul says, first of all, rejoice in God. Secondly, be gentle. The third thing he says is tell God about everything. Now, sometimes what I do when I pray is, you know, God, I'm worried, I'm scared, I'm this, I'm that. No, God wants us to be specific in our prayers. There's something really powerful about naming specifically our concerns before God. Not just, God, I'm worried, but God, I'm worried about this. Sometimes I will take a notepad and I will take that notepad and I'll write down something very specific on the prayer and write it down exactly what it is and put it there so that God can take it from me. And there's a way, it just, it takes it away from me. I give it to God. Sometimes we think, well, God, God's so busy. There's so much going on. God doesn't have time for me. But I want you to know that God loves to hear the sound of your voice. How many of you have a teenager or a college student or a grandson or granddaughter? They don't like to speak, talk on the phone anymore. They send a text, right? My son's been away now for almost a year and a half at college, and uh, I love it when he calls me on the phone. I remember when he was four years old and I would come home from from the church and would walk in, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I would think, nobody's ever that glad to see me, daddy. And he doesn't call me very often. But when he does call me, I just love to hear the sound of his voice. Don't you know that God loves to hear the sound of your voice? Don't you know that he loves to hear you cry out his name. Don't you know you don't just have to send a text, you can just call and say, and he loves your voice. You belong to him, tell him everything. What we need to do in a moment of worry and fear is take our worry and our peace and put a prayer in between it. The next thing he says is be thankful, count your blessings. I mean, it's an old strategy, but it works. 
you know, as we begin to be thankful, our anxiety decreases. Because in every moment in life, there's a reason to be thankful. Almost everybody has someone that has it worse than you do. You woke up this morning with a problem in your life, but there are other people in the world who have far more worse problems in their life. We always have reasons to be thankful. And I've noticed this, that as I feel more and more anxious about things in my own life, as I start thinking about all the things that I'm thankful about, I start remembering how, how good God is to me. Recently, Teresa and I were, were anxious about something in our family, and we were really, really anxious about it. And by the way, I will tell you, between the two of us, she's the calm one, I'm the anxious one. And she just started, as we were driving in the car, reminding me, well, remember this, be thankful for this, be thankful for this, and be thankful for this. And she just talked me right down off the edge of my worry cliff. Here's what, here's what thankfulness does. A thankful heart and a worried heart can't live in the same mind and heart. Max Lucado says that worry, and he says this about a great heartfelt thank you, a great heartfelt thank you will suck the oxygen right out of worry's world. I love that. So not only that, then Paul goes on, and this has been one of my favorite parts. So he says, you know, celebrate who God is, remember God, and, and be gentle, and, and tell God everything, and be thankful. And then he adds this, he says, fix your mind on what is true. Now, I used to think that that meant just be positive. But now I know when Paul says true, he really means the truth. Focus your mind on the truth. The reason that we struggle so much with fear and anxiety is because a lot of the things that we're telling ourselves, they're not true. We have assumptions, we have lies, we make up things, they're just not true. And so, so Paul says it's not just be positive, focus on the truth. For example, no one will ever love me. I'll never make friends. He'll never change. This world is just a bad place. I'll never lose weight. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never solve my money problems. This is just the way that it's going to be. Do you know what that is? Those are lies. Because no one is irredeemable, no one is unlovable, and no problem is unsolvable. We always have an opportunity to respond. There's always hope in everything. And when we're telling ourselves those lies, we have to respond with the truth. That's why you need scripture. That's why you need to belong to a church. That's why you need Christian friends. Because daily our minds are being bombarded with lies. You're not enough. You're not enough. This is a bad world. This is a terrible world. That's why Paul says, fix your mind on the truth. And I will tell you something. That word fixed there is the Greek word logzagomai. Logzagomai. It's where the word logic comes from. And he's saying, use your logic to focus on what's the truth, not the lie. And what Paul is basically saying, the most powerful weapon you have against lies and depression and fear and anxiety is a three-pound organ that sits between your ears. It's your mind. It's what you focus your mind on. So we focus our mind on the truth. So where was Jesus? Jesus is out in the desert, right? He's hungry. He was baptized. God said to him when he was baptized, I love you, you're my son. Forty days later, where is he? He's in the desert. And the devil comes up to him and says, hey, look, 
If your father really loved you, why would you be hungry out here? Take things in your own hands. Take charge. Do it your way. But what does Jesus do? Jesus responds to the lie with the truth and says, no, I am God's son. And man does not live by bread alone, but by the very word of God. He's responding to the lie with the truth. He's fixing his mind on the logic. I am God's son. And I know that we find ourselves in those moments when we wake up in the middle of a desert, in the middle of the night, filled with fear. God doesn't love me. I'm all alone in this world. It's a lie. And we have to fix our minds on the truth. That's what he's saying. That's what happens is the peace of God fills us. It fills us with a peace and a perspective of who God is that we are not alone and it allows us to think differently about our situation. And when we're able to think differently about our situation, we're able to respond instead of react. Respond from the best part of ourselves in the moment in the situation. Doesn't mean we're not afraid or scared, but we respond in peace. The last part is interesting because he goes on and he says then, put into practice what I taught you. This is the truth. Every day you're going to have trouble in your life every day. If you get up out of bed, there's going to be trouble in your day. There's going to be something that wakes you up. There's going to be something that tears your shoes up and throws everything all around in your life. Every day. So in order for this peace to be a part of your life, it's not just, God, give me peace. It's something you have to practice. You have to keep the scripture in front of you and you have to train. Use it. Memorize it. Practice it. Celebrate God's goodness. Be thankful. Do the things that Paul is talking about. He says, put it into practice. And I love, I love what he said. This is how you get the overflowing life. He says a few verses later, I have learned the secret of being content. Notice, I have learned. I have learned how to be happy when I'm hungry and when I'm well fed. I have learned how to get by when I'm living in the worst of times and in the best of times. Notice, I have learned learned. It comes with practice. Peace is not just something you get filled with immediately. It's something we do over and over and over again. We practice, we train, we fill ourselves. And then he says this, I got in with this. I'm going to end this whole series, this overflowing life series with this one last thought. Here's what he says. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty or with plenty or little. And here's the punchline for the whole, this is it, this is the punch, I'm telling you, this is the punchline for the whole book. Are you ready for it? This is it, folks. The secret to overflowing with peace, influence, passion. Are you, this is, are you ready? Okay. I'm going to bring it. This is it. This is where, it, this is it. Okay. He says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength.